1: Life Transformation Radio is all about our transformation. Here is where we tell the stories of why we're doing what we're doing, highlighting that transformational moment that changed our lives and how we use it to then transform others and elevate their lives as well. You can listen to us live right here on the Blog Talk Radio Network Tuesday through Friday, 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time by going to blogtalkradio.com forward slash Life Transformation Radio. You can also join our Facebook group at Life Transformation Radio Community and never miss an episode by subscribing on your favorite podcast platform. Life Transformation Radio can be heard on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spreaker, Spotify, TuneIn Player FM, Radio Public Overcast, Castbox, Himalaya app, Google Podcasts, Pandora, we're everywhere. And we also have a YouTube channel at Life Transformation Radio. So subscribe to our channel, subscribe to the podcast, and please leave a rating and a review. We always love to see what you think of the show and the guests that we bring here. On the show, my guests are entrepreneurs, speakers, business owners, coaches, podcasters, authors, amazing people who are impacting everyone around them. And my guest today does exactly that. If you have any questions for any of the guests that I bring on the show during our live broadcast, Tuesday through Friday, 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time, give us a call at 657-383-1109. Again, the number is 657-383-1109. And with that, please help me welcome to the show, my guest for today, Rick Patterson. Rick, welcome to Life Transformation Radio.
0: Well, It's great to be here. Thanks for having me.
1: Man, I'm super pumped to have you on the show. I think you've got an amazing book. I think you've got an amazing topic and it needs to be discussed more in depth than just to kinda touch on it a little bit and run away. <laughs> I think is <laughs> what some people do sometimes. You know, I the main question that comes up a lot when, when dealing with kids, you got kids? Yes, sir. So if something happens and you're in another room and you hear glass break, first question, what was that? What was that? Right? And then you go up and there's a lamp broken. You're like, how did that get broken? And the kissers look at you. And maybe somebody pipes up. I'm sorry. I did." It was like, why did you do that? What were you thinking? Like, so many, like, what transpired? I wasn't in the room. How the heck did this happen? Now I have a broken lamp. What the heck happened? Like, you want to know why. You want to know how. You want to know what. You want to know it all. And if you take that into a large scale, somebody cheats somebody decides to quit a job somebody decides to get a divorce somebody just i mean what for anything could be positive could be negative we always want to know the what the how the why like we're information sponges and we just can't let things go without knowing the full picture that's what i believe
0: yeah you know you bring up a good point because i can you you bring up the point of it, some of my most transformational moments were with my kids and i can see myself in that moment when my child has broken a lamp, and I can feel my own temperature <laughs> rising, and I and I'm getting angry, and my fists are starting to clench, and my kids are lying to me, and and I but, but right now, you know, what I wasn't able to do before, but I begin to ask myself, why am I so angry right now? Why oh, okay. is that happening? And for me, that was a, a a huge transformational thing, is to be able to just pause for a minute and be able to ask myself in the midst of that. Why am I about to react the way I'm about to react in this situation?
1: Wow. So there's a little introspective kind of thought process that needs to happen, too, which I don't think really happens in the moment. I mean, when you're really in the moment, someone's making you mad, someone, you know, you ever notice that we don't need all the information when something amazing happens? It's almost something bad happens. <laughs> Like you got promoted, you're like, that's awesome. You're not like, well, who promoted you? How did you get the promotion? Did you work hard? Who? What do you get now? How much money are you make now? Like, we don't care. We're like, cool, awesome. But when something bad happens, you're like, oh, no way. What happened? How did it go? Like, you know what I mean? Like, we gotta know the juicy details. When something positive happens, like I'm getting married, you're like, cool. When's the date? Awesome. I'll make it. And that's it. You leave it alone. You're like awesome you don't be like oh well well i gotta have kids and we're gonna live in it like you don't ask them a million questions it's only the negative things that you ask a million questions about
0: yeah and it's really you know it, it's funny because a lot of times the drivers can be very similar that ends you up in different places it's just understand you know just like you say in any major or minor life decision is being sure. able to pause and to be able to say, why am I about to do what I'm doing? And it may be great. It may not be yeah. great. But just to be able to take that breather before you actually make a decision is a life-changing experience in and of itself.
1: For sure. For sure. So the title of this episode is Shame Unmapped with author Rick Patterson. Most of us make important choices reactively based on our past experiences. Too often, our mistakes and failures negatively impact our decision making it's a vicious cycle that seems impossible to break what if there was a way to hone in on the root cause and break free from this toxic to- toxic cycle of shame what if you can stop playing the shame game Rick Patterson has a unique perspective on isolating the internal critic and dismantling the voices that control your past giving you hope for a more liberated future Rick combined his doctoral degree and decades in corporate America, years of professional ministry, and lessons as the adoptive father of a sibling group of four African-American preteens to develop practical understanding on how shame works and how to live beyond it. His website is rickpattersonconnects.com. It's right there in the show notes. Make sure you click on that and see what he has to offer, check out his social media, Facebook, at Rick Patterson Connects, send him a request, go to his website, check out his videos, they're very, very good, and then let him know that you listened to this episode of Life Transformation Radio. Rick, after reading that, the first question that I have to ask, and I believe is the most important question, we kind of touched on it, but I want to know what your why is. So why do you do what you do?
0: You know, it's like uh, um, I, I discovered a hidden gem and maybe I'm sure I'm surely not the first one who discovered it because I've read a lot of other authors writing about the same stuff. You, for example. Um, but this hidden gem is that uh, there is a uh, sort of a, uh, an underlying thread to a lot of our destructive decisions. And that hidden gem I found when I just looked at my entire, the whole mosaic of my life from corporate America to professional ministry, to being the adoptive father of this group of kids, and I and, and I, I could just see it all come together where I see that really this, uh, this hidden driver within all of us, this thing called shame. Um, if I could just uh, expose, if you will, expose this culprit, you know, to that this, this, this that's driving a lot of the destructive decisions in our lives. If I could just expose this culprit to people, make people aware that it may be affecting their lives in a negative way. I just uh, um, love the idea, the thoughts of the sort of you know liberation that that could bring to people to allow them to begin making what I call making their own decisions instead of having their psychology make their decisions for them.
1: Hmm. Yeah. And that's, that says a lot. And I think if you add, so psychology, but if you add social to that, it brings up a whole another dynamic.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, especially because you know what shame is trying to do is trying to protect us from social mm-hmm. embarrassment, social pain, having our flaws and weaknesses sort of exposed to the world. Um, and so shame is is really all about helping us, so to speak. Uh, by protecting us helping us hide helping us make decisions that prevent us from really living life out of fear that our weaknesses and shortcomings will be exposed to the world this sort of social interaction and so shame's shame's great end game is we will be completely isolated from other people for fear of being found out
1: but so i think we sh- what we should do right now is, is really define what you're talking about here and and in, in the sense of shame. And when I think of shame, I just think of how people will think about me. Ultimately, when I think of the word shame, am I shaming myself or do I feel shameful? I feel like there's a difference between remorse and feeling sorry that, man, I shouldn't have done that. Like if I said something mean to my wife, right? Like, ah, oh, I shouldn't have said that. Like, dang it, man. I feel bad. But I'm not sure that feeling bad or feeling regret or feeling remorse is the same thing as shame. I'm, I'm just not sure. I'm not talking about a psychology or like a Webster's Dictionary. Just me, Sean, hanging out. I just, I don't know. I don't think that that's the same. When I think of shame, I think of something that other people will think about you. My wife might think that maybe he's not the husband for me to my kids like maybe he's not the father i thought he was you know maybe my family will be like mm, maybe he's not a nice guy because back in old you know asian culture and a couple other cultures you know, we hear like you bring shame on your family you know it's a big thing like you don't have no honor you have you know, nothing but shame on your family whatever or you'll hear older people like grandparents be like shame on you <laughs> you know like you're bad shame on you you know so I don't know, man. What do you think? I, I just don't think that it's – the like shame, I think, is its own category. You know,
0: somebody helped me out with something one time, and I can't – I wish I could remember exactly where I saw this definition. But it's, the defini- it's, a, it's a description of the difference between guilt and shame, and um, it really crystallizes the stuff you've just been talking about. But guilt says you did wrong. Guilt says, you did bad. Shame says, I am bad. Shame, Ooh. guilt says, guilt says, you know, guilt says, oh, I just made a mistake. I just screwed up. And shame yep. says, you are a screw up. And hmm. shame is all about who we are in our completeness. Whereas guilt, and I always say this, guilt can actually turn out to some pretty cool stuff. You know, if I did bad, if I made a mistake. Those feelings of guilt, remorse, those things you talked about, those can actually motivate some really good outcomes. It can, it can motivate an apology. It can motivate making amends. It can motivate your own personal mm-hmm. transformation. You know what I'm saying? Guilt can actually be a driver to some pretty healthy things. But if shame gets a hold of guilt and all of a sudden, yes, I made a mistake, therefore, I am a mistake – then there's no good that can come of that, and when mm. we are feeling shame, for instance, I don't want to get caught that I just stole money out of the plate. you know it's not so much that we're afraid that people will know we stole something, it's that they will know that we are a thief. You're right, mm. it's that we, in our total entirety, our total self, have been exposed for the cheat, the liar. Uh, the idiot that we believe mm-hmm. in our hearts that we probably are.
1: Mm. That's deep, so,
0: yeah. Sh- shame is a very broad, deep uh, driver. And what we, you know, from the earliest of ages, I, I say, I, you know, a lot of people talk also of shame as an emotion, but I, I think more of shame is like a, is like a psychological construct and we begin to develop tools to figure out how to prevent uh, people from becoming aware of what we're afraid they'll become aware of, that they will find out that I am a liar. Not that I've lied, that's guilt, but they will find right. out I am a liar. They will find out I am an idiot. And so we begin to put on masks. We begin to put on, uh, make decisions. We begin to, to uh, think and work differently in a way of actually projecting an image to the world that we're you know there's something different than we actually are perfectionism is a great example of it
1: mm-hmm. you know
0: shame drives perfectionism like nobody's business
1: Hmm. i wonder how closely related imposter syndrome is to shame then
0: yeah i think because my my uh i say my uh my mask of choice is narcissism and it's 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 not you know well understood. A lot of people think narcissism is about uh, self-love. Mm-hmm. But narcissism is really rooted in self-hate, self-hatred, shame. Shame drives narcissism. Really. So what I found out that I had to do because I was so full of shame and self-hate, I had to project an image to the world, uh, if you will, the imposter syndrome. I had to project an image to the world that I was in control, that I was productive, that I was of value to the world. And I had to project this image of quote-unquote self-confidence uh, so that people would be thrown off track from really my fear that I'm none of those things. And here's where it becomes really devastating is uh, people will then begin to give you accolades for your performance, for your output, for all the stuff you do, for all the stuff you've done. And in your soul, you believe to yourself that's not really even mine. That's my imposters. If they really mm-hmm. knew the real me, they wouldn't be giving me any of this. You know, with those sort of masks, you really build sort—you build yourself into a really a catch-22. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, I guess I never really thought about it that way. Deep, man. A lot of people suffer from imposters. I did. I did one. I mean... We flew to Colorado. I was speaking at Colorado Springs at the Air Force Base there, super pumped. And I register all my stuff, travel, everything, I, way ahead of time. And they're like, let me get your travel information so that we can, you know, track things and, you know, whatever. I'm like, okay, cool, you know. So I just rented a regular car, nothing fancy, a hotel. Me and my wife were there they're like, who's coming with you? I said, me and my wife are going to come on this on this trip for the weekend. Got a got a couple friends that I was stationed with in the military, living in Colorado Springs. Going to go meet with them to the uh car rental place. And they're like, oh, we're going to pull your car around. And they pull around, brand new BMW. I think it was like a five series. I don't even know what it was. I'm like, <laughs> what is this? Like, what is this? I didn't ask for that. I like, no, you got upgraded. Like what? Like uh, uh, okay. Got in the car, couldn't even figure out how to start it. Like how do you? how do you like where's ship like paddle shift? Like where's how do you like how do you start it? <laughs> like if it lift this thing with these paddles, I'm like I don't I, and the lady's like seriously, you don't know. I'm like I'm not fancy. I don't know how to <laughs> drive it, right? So that was the first clue. I'm like, all right, well, we'll see how this trip's gonna go, right? We drive to the hotel, and they said, "Hey, uh, you're on the whatever the floor, seventh floor, whatever. It's like high up." And I was like, "Well, my, I I just have a regular room. Like, You've been upgraded." I'm like, "Oh my god, here we <laughs> go." I now know what is behind the doors of a hotel because we get to the room, and I'm like, "This is a big door. <laughs> like, like yeah. what is this?" So we pull, you know, we pull the card out, wipe, walk in, kitchen to the right, dining room to the right, a living area with pull-out couches and chairs right there in front of you, kind of to the left, and then the bedroom suite is to the left with the huge bathroom with double sinks on each end of the wall. Touch how big this thing is. Own shower, own bathtub. Like love making jacuzzi jet tub. This thing was incredible. And like the most amazing Colorado view of the mountains that I've ever seen. And I was like, this is like, why? Like it's just me and you. Like I don't need this. Like crazy. She's like, no, this is beautiful. I'm like, well, yeah, but I was fine with a double bed hotel. Like I don't, I don't need this. She goes, have you seen the bathroom? <laughs> you hush your face. Look at the bathroom, man. My wife soaked it up. Man, she goes, I'm gonna get in the tub. You gonna do what you want to do? Go hang out downstairs at the bar. Like you going do what you want like? My wife was like, leave me alone. You know, I was like, this is nuts. So, some friends came over. You know, we were upstairs. We had the dining room table to play cards at. Uh, you know, the TV was on. Nice couch to hang out. And t- like it was really nice. And it was. And even the friends were like, what? What is that? I was like, I didn't pay for that. I paid for a regular room. I just got upgraded somehow, you know? And then, um, the, the vet house was like, do you like your accommodations? I'm like, uh, yeah, yes, I do. <laughs> I was like, you didn't have to do that. They're like, I know. And, and it sucks when I say that you did not have to do I know they didn't have to. I like, I know, but I'm like, it's, what do you say? It's like, when you're at a funeral, you're like, sorry about your loss. Like, are you like, are you really sorry? Or like, I mean, just feel like come up with something different. Right. So I always say, I cannot Feel what you feel at this moment. I can't even imagine what you're feeling, but right. I'm here for you. Like that's what I say. I don't say sorry for your loss. Like, am, like, am I? Like, what do I got to be sorry for? I didn't kill the person. Right? Like, what yeah. am I going to be sorry for? So what I say is, um, I'm really sorry. Uh, I'm uh, not sorry, but uh, I, I can't imagine what you're feeling right now. I can't feel what you feel right now, but I'm here for you. You know, so I just, I, I want to use empathy instead. So of course I go, oh, you didn't have to do that. And they're like, I know. I'm like, I'm not trying to insult you. I just, I, I, I just can't believe it. Like that was completely unexpected. And thank you so much for that. It was beautiful. And they were like, yeah, no problem. Like, we just want to make sure. I'm like, I couldn't even start the car. <laughs> they start laughing. I'm like, what? I'm like, I start the car. I gotta, I, I'm not fancy. I don't know. I, I put a key in. There's no key. It's a fob. I'm like, where's the key? Like, yeah, it was weird. So I had that imposter syndrome. You know, and and I, it's a learning moment.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's interesting how your emotions uh, sort of react to that moment. You know, mm.
1: do you have
0: to defend yourself to your friends? Hey, I didn't pay for this, you know.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: You know, and why do you suddenly feel defensive about the fact that you're yeah, in that Yeah, and I totally did. Yep. Mm-hmm. And because how would you know? So, so part of that reaction that you know you, why you have to defend yourself and say this isn't me, this isn't me, this isn't me, this isn't me. It, you know, part of that is is the conversation that shame's having with you to make sure that everybody doesn't get the wrong idea about you. You know, to, yes. to your to your point, why why do you care what they think about you right now?
1: It really I, isn't I you.
0: Know. You didn't do it. Why do you care what they think? You know?
1: Mm. Wow. Oh, man. Yeah. You bring up a very good. Wow. I kind of did, though. Yeah. I kind of, and I just, I teed it up so nicely. They're like, man, look at this place. I'm like, I didn't pay for this, man. I it, like yeah. I, I was, I had a double. I had a double bed, you know, like, like I was trying to like bring myself lower.
0: Yes, yeah, so that's exactly right, though. But that's what shame will do.
1: It, it doesn't really wouldn't matter if let's
0: say the, the situation reversed and you didn't tell anybody because you wanted everybody to think that that's who you were, that you are now this famous, this set up, this wealthy. Right. You know that also is shame. But it, but however we're doing it, whatever we're doing to sort of, yeah, you know, make sure that people know that we're not that. Is, mm-hmm. is, you know, insisting that, that we, you know, you know, hide our worst fears, you know?
1: hmm So after that, so on the way back, um I was just talking, me and the wife was just kind of talking, ah, what an amazing trip. And you know, I was like, is this how like rich people live? Like, is this like, I mean, it's nice, it's a nice place to be. <laughs> like, you know, like it's, it's really nice, you know? And so I got booked somewhere else and I told her, I said, I think I'm going to fly first class. She's like, Oh my gosh, it's so expensive. Like why? Oh my gosh. Why would you just like, it's actually not, I got to pay like another, I mean, the flight was like, I don't know, like 600 bucks or something like that. Flying to California. And I said, you know what? I want to pay the extra like two or 300 bucks and I'm, I'm going to get a first class flight. I just want to see like first class. She's like, ah, uh, I guess. So I flew from North Carolina to LA first class. I will never fly anything but first class again. Yeah. I don't care. Who <laughs> knows it? The legroom alone is worth the oh, extra two, three hundred bucks.
0: Yep.
1: Man. Yep. So that was the transformational moment for me. I'm curious for you, what was your transformational moment that changed you and put you on the path to what you're doing today? Yeah. You know, uh, this is,
0: uh, but this is also. Awesome my, my pre out answer is, you know, there's just so many of it's almost like, and I don't know if everybody's life is like this, but my life is like this series of transformational moments that get me on the way and then keep tweaking it as it goes along, you know? So mm-hmm. picking one in particular would be hard to do. Uh, you know, I can think the one of them for sure. I can think all the way back. I'd just been married couple of years, and uh, my wife and I had had a big fight about something, and it turns out, I look back, and all fights were always about how I am right. She has to agree that the fact that I'm right before anything can end. It is so critical for me to be right. Um, mm. it, it, and I remember driving with a friend. I can remember specifically where I was in the car, what road I was on. Uh, I remember it out loud. What if I'm not? right? I mean, for starters, you got to ask yourself, what, what kind of person even asks themselves that? Of course, you're not right at the time. You know that by itself, says, dude. There's something wrong here. But then I, ask, mm-hmm. you know, what? What if I just what, it, it, like in the in the heat of that battle, in any battle I'm in, mean, what if I'm able just to pause? In the heat of that battle, and I'm just able to say, "What if is right? She's right. Maybe you should just listen to her, because he might be right." And hmm. what that what it did? It sounds ridiculously small and empty, but what that in that moment is gave me what I call the opportunity for empathy. And I thought, you know, even if my wife isn't right but even if I pause for a minute and listen to her then what would I do for my wife to be heard to be listened to how will that change mm-hmm. her day week, our relationship times man she's right think, she's of, how many right. Times, yeah, think <laughs> of how many times she's actually right and I go around not aware of what's actually right you know I miss out on growth the awareness the learning all of that stuff and and what but what that really uh brought about me is this desire to understand why am I am this way? not just can I see what I call I wanna get to the root, Sean. That's what I wanna I wanna get to the mm-hmm. root because having to be right, that's like weed. And I keep cutting that weed down. I keep cutting the weed down, mowing over it, you know, stuff like that. But that 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 weed's gonna keep coming back. I'm always gonna have that desire to be right. Unless I figure out why i what what is motivating my continual desire to be right? And for me, it was a pivot moment where I began to try and assess all the whys of my decisions. And, and it uh-huh. is simply try to be uh, a better employee, a better husband, a better father. Um, and honestly be the real me, be the true me instead of having to prove my rightness to the world, my wife, my, my coworkers, um, and actually live my own life instead of being dictated to me by psychology.
1: It sounds like the need to be right might be rooted in some of the things that we're talking about, like being known as a person of value. Like if you're right, it's some kind of authority, some kind of a credibility, like dude's right a lot. Like he knows what he's talking about. Like we can trust him and, and, and and you get that credibility, you get that authority, you get that leadership tag, like he's a thought leader, like he knows what he's doing, he knows what he's talking about. Totally see that, yep. I you, that's I'm kind it, of it, the it, same it. way, I'm not as bad as I was, but like I'm kind what? of the same way. I'm like, yo, if I'm right, I'm going to argue it until I'm right. Because Exactly. Like, like you're wrong. It, it almost makes me more mad that they won't admit that they were wrong than admitting yeah. that I was right. <laughs> Like that means they're like no, no, I'm like dude, the grass is green. No, it's like it's like a forest green, or it's like no, it's like a brown color because it's almost dead. Dude, grass is green, sky is blue. Well, no, it's actually not blue. It's actually the uh, atmosphere that makes it blue with the sun's rays. It's actually black, but you don't see black during the day because the sun's rays is. And I'm like, oh my god, dude, the sun it's blue. Okay. It's it is blue. And they'll come up with like a million re- and and then they'll try to like jerk this thing around, and I'm like, oh my gosh, listen this is how it is. This is the like proven fact. And it's just like, they don't want to listen, you know? And it's like the talk that we hear now, you know, on, on media and the news and like everything else, like they don't listen. No, they don't listen. No, they don't. It's like, everybody's like in, in uproar and shambles and fighting and everything. They don't listen. They don't like, I bet if you had some people listen to each other and accepted the fact that they're, opinions are not fact, but that are just that. They're just an opinion. I bet we wouldn't have so much hatred.
0: Yeah, and We'd that's speculate. really the goal. Yeah, no, it really is. And, and shame drives hatred. Shame's goal is to separate us. Yes. Nothing separates yes. us. And I, you know, when I took those, and I, I always make a point of mentioning that my kids are African-American because they taught me so much about, about the, the hatred and the separation that people that we need to we, we need to ostracize certain people to feel good about ourselves you know we need to prove that we're right and they're wrong because it makes us feel good about ourselves we need to you know, uh, we, we need to glorify the fact that I'm white and yeah. you're black because yeah. it makes it because we're so weak inside that we don't feel good about ourselves and really that's shame talking. And it gets even better if you and I, Sean, you know, a couple of white guys, can look and say, "Hey, you know, look at that bozo over there," because then we're in agreement. You know what I'm saying? Right. And and then we can feel good about each other only because we feel we because we found somebody that you know that we think is worse than us. Um, but really, that's yeah. what shame tries to do. It tries to separate us from other people, not because we actually think we're better than them, but because we're afraid we're not. And it insists yeah. that we somehow try to elevate ourselves so that in, at least for a moment, at least for a moment, we can feel good about ourselves. And it's addictive, that feeling.
1: Wow. Yeah. Yeah, for sure, man. Let's talk about your book, Shame Unmasked. Uh, why did you write it? And what is it about?
0: Yeah, I realized, you know, through the research, my doctoral dissertation was actually on how uh, shame and narcissism uh, drive church leadership.
1: Um, Whoa! And,
0: yeah. Well, and I was part <laughs> Did of the not see that coming. I was part of the church leadership at the time, um, and so you know, and it, but it wow. really was yeah, it, and um, and when I uh, so so this book actually came out of uh, years afterwards came out of that whole work I did in my, in my uh, doctoral dissertation. But one of the things that people talk about with shame is that one of the antidotes for shame is vulnerability, You're, you know, really yeah. to, to get out of the world and say, okay, this is me, this is who I really am. You know, this is me. And it's why Brene Brown's talk was so, you know, uh, wildly <laughs> popular, you know, and what's yes. weird about vulnerability is when we are actually vulnerable, uh, we feel like crap, but the rest of the world looks at us and says, wow, man, that was really powerful. Yes. And, and vulnerability heals. And so one of the things that I was, I was trying to do two things with the book, one was I was trying to practice what I preached and I was trying to be vulnerable and I was trying to tell, show people what, what, uh, you know, pastors really think what's really going on behind the pulpit and what's really going on in corporate America and what's really going on as a parent and how those things are, have really, you know, I've, I've seen all those things driven by shame. And I was trying to practice vulnerability. I was trying to practice what I preached in order to gain some continued healing for myself. But the second part of it was too, very important to this is I wanted to send people a message who were going through, similar things, struggling with the why of their life, why they were making decisions they were making, uh, why they were suffering with choices, self-defeating behaviors. And I wanted to send a message to those people that just says this, you're not alone. You're mm-hmm. not alone. You know, I've been successful in corporate America at ministry and through all of that, I'm right here struggling with you at the exact same time. And I thought if I can, heal myself through vulnerabil- vulnerability and and reach out to other people at the same time to tell them that I'm struggling and we're struggling we can struggle together then I would have done a lot to really do some destruction to shame in the world to really take mm-hmm. shame down, down a notch in myself and maybe in other people also
1: mm-hmm. there you go <laughs> I like that I mean it <laughs> There's got to be a level of awareness that comes during these moments. And I think a lot of people miss that. You know, we talked about my book. My book's called Decisions, The Power to Overcome Self-Defeating Behaviors. Self-defeating behaviors can be anything from addiction, depression, anxiety, whatever. Like, it could be mental health, whatever. Or it could be your need to be right. It could be imposter yes. syndrome. Yes. It could be you're just a very argumentative person to be right all the time and I know people like that or you're a show off you're whatever it's something that is self-defeating you have no self-love you have no self-worth you value possessions you value material things and not uh, you know you value worldly things rather than something spiritual it could be a self-defeating behavior but the most common self-defeating behavior is the opinion of yourself and holding the people's opinions of you more valuable than you would the opinion of of, of Europe. Most common to so like, well, you know, I, I don't know what, I don't know what Tammy's going to think. Oh man. <laughs> I'm going to hear it from Tammy. You know, like, why do you care what Tammy thinks or Bob or Steve or, you know, Karen or whatever you want? You know, right? like, Oh man, I'm going to hear it. And here's what we normally do. Here's what we normally do. Oh, man. Dude, my mom is going to kill me. <laughs> you know, like even as an adult, even yep. as an adult, I know I'm like, man, oh, man, I don't know. Should I tell my mom? You know, she's like, my mom's like, why? You're a freaking adult. Like, why the hell does your mom need to know? <laughs> like, man, if my mom finds out and I didn't tell her. I'm going to be like, she's like, how come you didn't tell me? Oh, I don't know, mom. I just, you know, didn't want to tell you. You know, ah, oh, that's so. Ridiculous. And how can you not tell your mother? And I'm like, oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> you know, like, I don't tell her. I'm going to get. I'm gonna hear about, I didn't tell her. If I tell her, then she's going to give me a lecture about how I'm irresponsible. She's going <laughs> to tear me down. She's going to tell me that, you know, I'm 30 something years old, can't get my life together. Why is your life not together? You know, like, I'm going to hear all this ridiculousness. You know, I'm like, I'm damned if I do and damned if I don't. But. Sometimes people operate like that. You have a parent. And you're like, man, I, uh, here we go. Or you have a, a sibling rivalry. It's another common one. They have sibling rivalries. they got to look better than my brother my sister, my cousin, my, you know, whatever. Got to look better than them. Oh, they got a trophy wife or they got a huge promotion. They're making 100 Gs. I'm working at McDonald's. It's almost like you're in competition with them. And who put the competition there? Did the parents' competition there? Like I love him more than you, or is it? Did you place a competition there on your own? And then it just drives you to depression. Yep, absolutely.
0: That's a great point. I see it. Yep. I see it everywhere. Yep. And we can what do that with for? our. Own, we can do that with our own selves. I mean, we could be competing with our own selves, so that when we go out there, we go out on a limb, we try something, we fail, we fall down, we break a bone, so to speak, and we can get back up, and we see, we say, "You idiot." You know why can't yeah. you be more like this other Rick that we want you to be like? Why do you got to be yeah. this stupid idiot Rick? You know what I'm saying? So you can even create that little world inside your own psyche, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah. It reminds me of the movie Hitch. I've seen Hitch with Will Smith?
0: I have seen Hitch. I like it. Yep.
1: Yeah, man. And he's he is the way he is because of a bad breakup. The guy had it was like, you know, gross, right? And then Kevin, um, what's his name? The guy who he's, he's working with, you know, and he's like, yeah, I'm going to dance. You know, I'm going to dance. It's like cleaning my ears, cleaning my ears, throw it away. Or the dice, right? He's like dancing. He's like, no. Right here, this is your move. This is where you live. And he's like moving back and forth from left to right, snapping his fingers like, this is it. This is where you live. This is all you do. This is it. you know what I mean? Like girls don't like that. And they need to like you for this. Instead of saying, you know what? Be yourself. You'll find someone that loves you. Not worried about it. Nope. You got to try to put on this persona that you're going to yep. be accepted. And I think that's the root of everything we're talking about is we want to be accepted. We want to feel accepted. We want to know that we are accepted into a societal rank into a marriage, into a brotherhood in the military, into a sisterhood, in a sorority, anything. We want to feel like we are a part of the team, a part of the group, a part of humanity. And people base that on other people's opinions. And I think that acceptance is really where the end result lies or the beginning of shame lies is in the acceptance
0: Absolutely. And you know, shame's greatest, you're absolutely right. Shame's greatest fear is that when people find out who we really are, they will abandon us. Mm. And that is, that is what shame is really trying to prevent by making us forcing us to look better, act better, be better, and do all these things to present this facade, like you said, to people so that ultimately they won't abandon us. Might, one of my daughters taught me that. You know, these are adopted, wow. you know, and, and, and they've been abandoned once already, you know, mm-hmm. and they're waiting for their adoptive white parents to abandon them again. Yeah. Um, this, it's is, this, this is, this is Shane's goal, you know, is to, is to find a way to protect ourselves from being abandoned.
1: Wow. And that's tough, man. So. As we wrap up, I want to know how you elevate the world around you. Sounds like you, you know, you've adopted some girls. You wrote a book. So what would you say that Rick does to elevate the world around him?
0: Well, uh, Sean, I got a superpower. I don't know. If okay. You know, coming into this show, but I have a superpower. I like it. And my superpower is uh, giving people the benefit of the doubt. Wow. And that doesn't sound like okay. much of a superpower, but I'm telling you, Sean, it's extremely, well, it's extremely rare. Yeah. And so there's all these things. Yes, I wrote a book and yes, I adopted these kids and all these things, you know, that are sort of global things I do to reach out. But the one thing I can do with every human interaction, especially the ones that go bad and frankly, a lot go bad. I mean, wherever two or more are gathered, Sean, there's going to be conflict. Oh, yeah. You know, there's going to, somebody's going to get in a fight. But, but what my superpower, the gift I try to give to the world is to give people the benefit of the doubt and say, you know, maybe they're going through something today. Or maybe it's me. Maybe I didn't understand what they were really trying to say. Or maybe they need to lash out at me because someone just lashed out at them. And I think that's really uh, the one thing I'm trying to do to elevate the world around me is just to give people a break. And it sounds simple. Frankly,
1: it is <laughs> it's a challenge.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. Wow. Man, that's that's tough, but necessary. It's the benefit of the doubt. Yep. I certainly that's don't awesome. do that. I certainly don't do that. I don't make rash judgments, but I mean I I don't I, I don't necessarily do that. I mean I want to gather all the facts. I don't just be like, Oh, she said it. It's true. <laughs> you know, like I'm not like that. But it, like with my girls who are six and 14, 14 year old says the six year old did something. Six year old denies that. I'll go, well, six year old denies it. So you're wrong or whatever. I'm like, no. <laughs> what exactly happened? Right. So I guess I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt. But at the same time, like my mind's made up, like you're this way. You're in this moment acting ugly. I'm like, well, maybe I should give her the benefit of the doubt. Maybe she's having a bad day. I'm like, you're acting ugly. So I'm not going to deal with this. And my mentor, John Vroman, when it comes to kids, and you'll appreciate this, he says, when it comes to kids, we often see them as they are, not who they could become. Yeah. And I was like, ouch. Ouch. And so I catch myself sometimes, you know, you're never going to, you know, you're not going to succeed in life if you do this. You're never going to, you know, whatever. So now I flip it. I'm like, you have the power to succeed, but not like this. You have no. the ability to do this. So I empower them, but not like this. This isn't the way to do it. You're gonna go far, but not like this. I just switch it.
0: That's fascinating. You know, the, it's it's the it, kid the kids taught me so much, and you have such an opportunity if you can just pause. And listen to the space in which they give to teach you about them, who they are, and to teach you about who you are. My, my, well, I got in a fight one time. With one, I, was getting, I get I in a lot of fights. You probably pick up on that, which is one of my issues. I got to ask myself, why do I get in all these fights? One of my kids, teenage girl, rolled her eyes at me. Whoa, and, uh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Now.
1: Is she breathing I know, okay? I don't
0: know. <laughs> I don't know. What, why is that You know, so I got ask, why is it? But man, that that always would set me off. They roll their eyes at me, and man, I went off and I, I hit a door, and then I hit a wall, and then I hit, hit an oak bookcase and busted my hand and up in the hospital. Um, and but in that moment, I, you know, for starters, why why am I why am I doing this? This is something an adult man should have some control over, you know? Right? Yeah. Girl roll, that's what girls do is they roll their eyes. And then I realized in that moment is, you know, when a teenage girl rolls her eyes at you, she's saying to you, you're an idiot.
1: And at <laughs> that
0: moment, I thought, oh, she, she's, she's found out. She's, she's figured it out. She's found out. Yeah. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how to parent her. I've never had kids before. Suddenly I got four of them, you know, and she's figuring out I'm an idiot. I'm, I'm, I'm a moron.
1: Yeah. And so
0: I have to <sighs> distract her with my anger. But mm-hmm. what I really miss out on is I miss out on the opportunity to ask, why did my girl have to roll her eyes at me? What was going on inside mm-hmm. her? What sort of pain was she in that she had to – I mean, that's the only way she can attack me. You know, she can't do anything else. Why in that moment did she feel a need to attack me? Why did she feel threatened by me and her dad? And I missed an opportunity in that moment because of shame. I missed an opportunity to deeply care about my daughter. Because yeah i was too concerned about myself and that's wow. transformational but this is the stuff yeah i have to be a man who cares more about his kids cares about himself
1: period for sure for sure wow rick man i loved loved the conversation amazing book that you wrote i feel like we could take this in so many different directions man but um I want you right now to go to rickpattersonconnects.com go check out what he's doing go check out his videos and his speaking and everything so rick where can we get your book Shame Unmasked
0: It's on Amazon but if you go to my website uh, rickpattersonconnects.com, there's a you know take a link take it right there but you know if you, you just google Rick Patterson uh, Shame Unmasked you'll find it on Amazon also
1: Perfect. As we close the show, what's a message you want to give to the listeners? What would be the takeaway that the listeners should receive from this episode?
0: I want people to know that they're not alone. People are struggling. Yeah. You know, that they're struggling with their own depression, their own anger, their own narcissism, their own perfectionism, their own suicidal ideation. I mean, you know, I mean, how many of us have been there? And and I want to tell oh, people yeah. that. Regardless of those situations and, and, and in the midst of that, that you are not alone, that we are with you. We have been doing what you, you know, we've been through that path. You're not alone. Keep walking it and we will all find a way to walk it together.
1: Yeah. That's awesome. Rick, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. I'm so happy to have you. And I believe this was an amazing conversation that's really going to make people think make people take action we'll take action and i think that someone's listening to this and they're like yep that's me yep <laughs> they're describing me exactly like or they i never i love the show i get i get an email from somebody's like the show made me think like never thought about it like that before and it just kind of twists their mind up and they're like, huh Yep. never would have guessed. Like I never would have thought about it like that. And they see it from a different angle, and they're like, oh, and they get it. That's what I love.
0: Well, it's been a lot of fun. I really appreciate you having me on. Thank
1: you. Uh, absolutely. Life Transformation Radio is an amazing guest impacting the world around him. If any part of our conversation today with author Rick Patterson resonated with you in any way, touched your heart, touched your soul, please reach out dot com. it's right there in the show notes click on that look at his website and check him out we ask that you subscribe rate and review the show on your favorite podcast platform like apple podcast spotify stitcher and as of april 1st the new host will be taking over we are talking about it for a little bit the new host will be taking over life transformation radio sale is complete Life Transformation Radio has been sold. It will still continue on, but a different host will be taking over. And I'll pop in every once in a while to co-host and to check in on you guys. So I thank you for your support over the last four years. Thank you for all of your comments and all of your reviews. And I wish you the best for the rest of 2021. As we close the show, I always say live your brand. Find opportunities every day to live out the core values that you hold deep in your heart. And I call this Live the Brand. So until next episode, live an amazing life.